I invite you to turn this morning in the Word of God to the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 3. You'll find that on page 1,242, 1,242 in the Pew Bibles. Ephesians chapter 3, I'll begin reading at verse 14 and read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and forever. Amen. That's the reading of God's Word. Well, today is uh, Cadets Sunday. You will see at the end of the service a presentation by the cadets. And one of the things that they do is they ask all those who have participated in cadets throughout the years to stand. And you'll notice that there have been quite a number in our congregation throughout its history who have been through the cadet program. And we like the cadet program because we like to see our young boys to grow and mature, to develop, to become stronger, both physically but also spiritually. We want them to be godly men who can serve the Lord in their homes and in society and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are glad for uh, the cadet program and for those who serve in it in our church. One of the highlights of the service for me is uh, in the cadet program is when we sing at the end, Living for Jesus, because that's the heart of the cadet ministry. It's also the heart of the Apostle Paul's prayer here for the Ephesian Christians in verses 14 through 19. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul begins his prayer, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he's going to tell them what he prays, but then he breaks off in verses 3 through 13 to talk about his ministry among the Ephesian Christians. But then in chapter 3, verse 14, he picks it up again for this reason. You can see the repetition there. Paul is determined that these Ephesian Christians know what he prays for them for, what he wants God to do in their lives for God's glory and for the glory of Christ in the church. And you'll see at the center of his prayer He has this phrase, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, here it is, being rooted and grounded in love. That's the center of Paul's prayer. 
It is also the theme that the cadets have chosen as their theme text for this year, 2023-2024, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And if you have your Bibles open, you'll see that on either side of that phrase, being rooted and grounded in love, you have this prayer that they would be strengthened with power through his Spirit. That's in verse 16. And then in verse 19, Paul prays that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. So this is how we're going to look at this passage this morning. We're first going to look at the center, what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. And then we'll look at the prayer for godly living, and then the prayer for godly knowing that sandwiches this phrase, rooted and grounded in love. So what does it mean to be rooted and grounded in love? One of the questions that we first need to ask is, what love is being spoken about here? Is it God's love for us, or is it our love for God? And I think the answer to that question is, it's both. It's speaking about the love that God has for sinners, encapsulated in a verse like John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It has to do with the love of the Lord Jesus for sinners, a love that compelled him to leave the glory of heaven and come to earth to become man like us and then to die on the cross for our sins so that we might be brought to God and we might be reconciled to God. It talks about our love for God and our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we love God because he first loved us. And our hearts go out to him in praise and worship and adoration. It's not just that being a Christian is not just knowing God, but being a Christian is loving God as, as Jesus himself, when he summarizes the Ten Commandments with two commandments, says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength that there is this affection for God because of who he is and what he has done for sinners in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the love that Paul is speaking about here is God's love for us, demonstrated in Jesus' love for us and his willingness to go to the cross, and then our response of love to him for the greatness of his grace and mercy. And what Paul is saying here is that love is so crucial in the Christian life for us to grow and mature and develop. Love is so essential. He says that we need to be rooted in love. It's the soil in which we grow, just as plants hydroponically accepted, just as plants need soil in order to grow, to get the nutrients and and the wherewithal to, to increase. So Christians need to be rooted in the love of God and in our love for God. That's the only soil in which the Christian can grow. If there's, if there's no love either experienced from God or demonstrated to him, then there is no way that we will mature and develop in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says we need to be rooted in love. He also says we need to be grounded in love. So he uses a, a botanical metaphor, rooted in love, and now he uses an architectural one. We need to be grounded in love. That the love of God for sinners and our love for God 
is the foundation of the Christian life. Again, there's no development. You cannot build a superstructure without a foundation, nor will your Christian life have any progress or development or strength and stability if you do not have a love for the God who has first loved us in Jesus Christ. And so Paul is speaking about the Christians as those who are rooted and grounded in love. That's what characterizes Christians. That's how you can know you're a Christian. If you're rooted and grounded in God's love for us and display that by a response of love for God. And then on either side of this statement, rooted and grounded in love, Paul has this prayer for the Ephesian Christians. And we want to look at those two prayers, or the two parts of the one prayer. Notice, first of all, just uh, incidentally, that, that Paul prays to the Father. Now, it's proper for us as Christians to pray to any person of the Trinity. You can pray to God the Son and to God the Spirit. I mean, the Bible is uh, replete with examples of, of people coming up to the Lord Jesus and, and falling before him and asking him, if you can, for instance, uh, or if you will, you can make me clean. And so it's proper to pray to the Lord Jesus. It's proper to pray to the Holy Spirit because each person of the Trinity is God. It's not just that they're God if you throw them all together as one. That would be a, a heresy. Each person is God, and therefore you may pray to each person of the Trinity specifically. And in fact, it is good for your spiritual life to think clearly about the, the work of each person of the Godhead in your life. But though it's proper to pray to each person of the Trinity because each person is God, you'll notice that most of the prayers of the New Testament are prayed to the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. That's the pattern that the Apostle Paul gives us here in Ephesians 2, for instance, in verse 18. For through Jesus, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So to the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so improper when people pray and they say they address their prayers to the Father and then end their prayers with, in your name we pray. No, it's to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. And so Paul here speaks to the Father, and he asks the Father that he may grant to the Ephesian Christians that they would be strengthened with power through his Spirit in their inner being. So this is his prayer, that the inner being of these Christians would be strengthened. Now, one of the things that young boys like is to grow stronger physically. And they like to think that they're stronger than they are, so that as they grow, they try to wrestle with their dad and think they can beat him. Now, admittedly, at a certain age, they are able to, to do that, but then by then, a wise father knows that he ought to stop wrestling with his sons. But that's what boys want. They want to grow stronger physically, to grow taller than they are. But Paul's concern here is not with the physical body and its growth so much as with the growth of the inner being, the heart 
of these Christians. And when you look at the heart biblically, it's the center of the human existence. It controls everything in a person's life. It has to do with their mind, how they think. It has to do with their affections, how they feel. It has to do with their lives, how they live them out, their wills in obedience to God. And Paul wants everything in the inner person, their heart, so that they think properly, feel properly, act properly. He wants them to be strengthened. He says he wants them to be strengthened with power. And then notice that it's only the Holy Spirit who can give this strength. It's not a matter of repetitions on the bench press. It's not a matter of running further each day or trying to jump higher. It is a matter of praying that God, by his Spirit, would give you the spiritual strengthening that you need. That's why prayer is so crucial in the Christian life. We are so dependent upon God for every aspect of grace. Nothing comes to us with our own efforts or by our own efforts. God must give it to us. And the repeated emphasis of Scripture is that when prayers go up to God— God's answer by the Holy Spirit comes down into our lives. So you want to be strong as a Christian? You want to be mature, to grow, to be, have all the power that you need? Well, then, he says, you need to pray that the Father would, out of the riches of his glory, out of his endless supply, give you everything that you need for his own glory. So that's the prayer, that they would be strengthened with power through his Spirit in their inner being. And then notice that he has the purpose for prayer, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, what's Paul saying here? Obviously, he's speaking to Christians, and Christians are those who have Christ in them. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be transformed by the Lord Jesus so that we trust in him as our Savior and submit to him as our Lord. So if Christ is in these Christian believers already by the very fact that they are Christians by the grace of God, what does Paul mean that to say when he prays that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith? Well, there's two words that Paul could have used for uh, dwell. The one is more of a temporary residence. Like when the cadets go camping each summer, they could build a house, and probably some of them, particularly the leaders, would want them to build a house to keep them from the elements. But they don't build houses, they build temporary structures. Bivvies, they call them. Poles with silage plastic or some sort of tarp over it to keep them from the elements. And they, they live in there. And it's okay to live in there for a few days, but you wouldn't want that to be your permanent home. And then there's the permanent home that Paul, the, the word that Paul uses for a permanent residence. So he's saying, we don't want Christ just to camp in your lives, to be there for just a little while to be there and then gone. We want Christ to dwell in your hearts by faith, to take up permanent residency 
in your home. And you know the difference between a, a temporary stay and a permanent residence. If you stay at someone's house temporarily, you, you follow their rules. You do what they do. Before you go to bed at, in the evening, you say, so, so what time do you normally have breakfast here? So that you can follow their, their pattern, fit your life into theirs. But if you have, take up permanent residency in a place, it's not a matter of following the rules of the house. You become the master of the house, and you set the rules. And so you say to your guests, this is when we have breakfast in this home. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I want you to have Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. I want him to take up residence in your hearts, to be master of your lives, not a temporary guest who kind of affirms you in what you do, but to have, be the master of your life so that he sets the rules, he dictates the policies, he determines the lifestyle that you're to live. It's to have Christ living in them in such a way that they are completely transformed by his presence in their lives. And that's why he prays for strength. Because when Christ comes into our lives and changes us, it's not easy. He demands a lot of us. He demands a lot of our time and of our energies. He wants us to live our lives in a certain way. And it's all beyond our ability to do so ourselves. We always tend to gravitate to what's easy when Christ demands of us what is hard. And so that's why Paul prays. I want you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, because when Christ takes up residence in your lives, you're going to need that strength to follow his dictates and to do his will. It, he determines how you spend your time. He determines what you do with your money. He determines your relationships with others. He determines how you treat your wife. He determines how you submit to your husband, how you raise your children, how you engage with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ has complete and thorough control of the life of God's people because he dwells in their hearts through faith. And for that, we need to be strengthened with power so that we might live for God's glory. Rooted and grounded in love, strengthened with power so that we might live for God. And then notice on the other side of this rooted and grounded in love, he prays for strength as well. So what is this strength for? Well, you can see it in verse 18 there. He says, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is strength for knowledge. He wants you to know the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's asking you to, 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 to do something that's beyond your ability. Notice that, that this knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, he wants you to know something that you cannot completely know, that you cannot fully comprehend. But he wants you to keep striving to learn more about Christ how 
broad his love is that reaches all people and embraces all sinners. How high it is as it brings those sinners from earth to a heavenly home. How deep it is so that it, it, it reaches down to, to the lowest levels so that the most degraded sinner can find grace in Jesus Christ. And how long it is, the longevity, the eternality of his love, that once the love of Christ has been set upon you, it will never let you go. He wants you to know everything about the love of Christ to comprehend all that God has done for sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. How high, how long, how wide, and how deep it is. And notice that it is done not alone, solitarily, but it is learned in the presence of other Christians. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth? That's why it's so important for us to, to gather together to worship, to engage in conversations, spiritual conversations that reflect upon the love of Christ, to share with each other what you've learned about the height of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. Why it's important to gather together, study God's Word, because it's only in community as brothers and sisters in Christ that together we can learn more and more about the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. But here's a question. Why does Paul pray that we would have strength to comprehend this? Why do we need strength to know the love of Christ? Why can't we just have it just wash over us why do we need to be fortified? Well, sometimes when uh, you're doing firewood with your young boy, you, uh, he holds out his arms and, and you put the logs on him. But if you put too many logs on him, his, his arms will just droop. He needs to be strengthened in order to carry those logs. And similarly this, Paul's understanding of Christ is that it is a massive love. It is a love that you can't wrap your mind around. It's a love that you can't take it in, in yourself. And so God needs to strengthen you. It will blow your mind. It will bowl you over. And so you need to be strengthened with power in order to comprehend, because this is not something ordinary. It's not something that you can figure out on your own. It must be taught to you by the Spirit of God. And it is overwhelmingly grand. Why do you think heaven is eternal? In part, it's because we will always ever be learning more and more about the Lord Jesus, uncovering the depths of his great love for us in his death and resurrection for sinners. That's why Paul prays for strength. Strength so that those who are rooted and grounded in love, strength so that Christians will live for Christ, and strength so that Christians will grow in their knowledge of Christ. And then he ends this prayer at the end of verse 19 with these words, that you may be filled with all the fullness 
of God. Now, this is a difficult phrase to understand. But the scholars say that uh, it seems to be that Paul is saying that we become like God. You'll know that uh, at various passages in Scripture, uh, for instance, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that uh, we should be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. The Apostle Peter says that we should be holy as he is holy. So it's incumbent upon us as Christians to become like our God in a human way because we'll never become God. That was the lie of of Satan in the garden, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. We'll never become like God, but we can be filled with the fullness of God in our human existence. And if you think about that, there's only one person who was full of God in his human humanity, and that was Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying here is that Christians who are rooted and grounded in love, who know the Lord Jesus' love for them because they have trusted in him as their savior for sinners, if they're strengthened with power so that they live obedient lives so that Christ has complete control of their existence, and if they're strengthened in order that their minds are filled with the knowledge of the love of Christ and their hearts are embracing that love, then you'll become more and more like Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the goal. What we want for our boys is that they become mature men. What God wants you to be as a Christian is to be mature, to grow and to develop, to become stronger, to become more like Jesus Christ. If you are not growing in the Christian life, if you're stagnating or going backwards, That's contrary to God's design for you. And you need to pray that God would strengthen you with power and strengthen you so that you might live for him, so that you might know the love of Christ. And as you, uh, by the Spirit of God, are being built up in that way, you'll become a mature Christian, just like Jesus Christ, who was filled with all the fullness of God's. What you notice in the Apostle Paul's prayer for these Ephesian Christians and and what you notice in the whole Old Testament and New Testament scriptures is the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to know Christ. Because without knowing Christ, there, there is no spiritual life. There's only spiritual death, which leads to spiritual destruction. But in knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Redeemer. There is spiritual life and spiritual vitality and leading to eternal life when we will gather with all the saints to marvel and to worship the Son of God and the one who sits on the throne empowered by the Spirit of the living God. Let's pray together. Gracious God and merciful Father in heaven, we pray that out of your riches and glory you would grant us to be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we might be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what the immensity of Christ's love is. 
we pray that you would grant us your spirit in rich measure so that we would be all that we ought to be for your honor and glory. We pray for those who who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who are not rooted and grounded in love, who have no love for him and don't know of his love for them. We pray that you would work in their hearts so that they might know and believe in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent to be the Savior of sinners. We pray that you would bless us and hear us in Jesus' name. Amen.